Welcome to the Fan Engagement Pod, a new conversation about fan engagement. Don't forget you can join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join for exclusive member services and benefits. This stuff is the teacher. 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 Welcome to episode 28 of the Fan Engagement Pod. This episode is back to a chat with a guest about their experience in a perspective on fan engagement with an old friend of mine from my days working in European football, digital project manager at Bromby IF, Trolls Johnson. We really get into some of the commercial issues around converting loyalty, identity, belonging and part, being part of something bigger into a commercial success but without destroying it's crucial authenticity and sincerity. Trolls is someone who just gets the intangible nature of being a fan, as someone who was himself an activist, setting up first Detnai Bromby and then the Bromby Supporters Trust, which sought both to influence and change the direction of a club in crisis. His passion and love for the club shines through, but he's someone who is utterly, resolutely professional. His insight would benefit any club, and Bromby are lucky to have him. This really is a great episode for everyone, but particularly for commercial, marketing and revenue generating teams who want to understand how to do it sincerely. We touch on data, activations that work, rebrands that failed, how apps aren't the answer and how to accept the intangibility of passion and to harness it successfully. Don't forget we've got 27 other episodes including the new Baz chat where we take a particular look at activations, sponsorships and partnerships between brands and rights holders with a real expert in the field, Baz Schneider. Listen via the usual channels, search Fan Engagement Pod on your favourite podcast app. You can join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> but I could just start with... Uh, you start, so, you start. Yeah. I don't need to... You do it, go on. Uh, just to introduce myself. So, uh, yeah, I'm, my name is Trolls. Uh, I work now as a digital project manager at uh, Brunby EF. Uh, and my responsibility is like the digitalization of the club. And how do we, do we use, utilize uh, digitalization um, primarily towards the, the fans, but of course also to create value for our partners. Uh, I work in the marketing department, um, so, so that's what do I have a background as um, in strategy and communication, but also as a programmer. Uh, I've worked a lot of years as a programmer, uh, and until I had the possibility to come to Bromby, where I like, I still do programming and uh, stuff like that, but I'm also involved in a lot of other stuff um, like business development and communication and marketing and, and strategy. My relationship with Brunby is that I'm a, a long time fan. I've been a fan of the club from I was a little child. I grew up in the, in the area around uh, Brunby uh, and I followed the club for a lot of years. Uh, and as Kevin talked about before, uh, Bromby was a really successful club during the 80s and 90s. Uh, but then suddenly they went into like a long streak of uh, 
bad decisions and just everything was going downhill. Like they were this big giant and suddenly they got just overtaken by the reality. Other clubs were coming, becoming better and Bromby didn't, uh, they, they, they weren't able to follow follow up on that. And that's something that we're still struggling with today, like to coming back to like the, the being a stable part of the top of the league. Uh, but I think it was around 2010, uh, things were looking really difficult. It was apparent that the club was going towards a bankruptcy. And if something didn't happen, the, the, the club would disappear. And, and this was, of course, something that was not acceptable for, for me. Uh, I had just become a father in 2010. Uh, so I wasn't like planning to do some uh, to do some activism or some hardcore stuff, but but just one night I just uh, I just figured out that if we had a, enough fans who were shareholders at the club, uh, we could call the board uh, to an extraordinary general meeting to uh, with with this one subject to talk about uh, the management of the club. So I just started with that email, and then the support just poured in. It became like the huge thing, and suddenly other people joined the the movement, and we just suddenly had a platform, and that's when we started going for this um, primarily a protest group, to so starting to think what can we actually do with this platform we have, uh, this sort of responsibility, grew uh, out of the the massive support uh, and the frustrations of seeing this huge club just going going downhill uh, and with the possibility of disappearing. Um, yeah, so, so just, just to say, I have like uh, um, a track record of being a fan for a lot of years, uh, but also like have some sort of engagement with the club and uh, also with the community uh, around the club. Um, to this day now, uh, I've started work. I started working at Brunby five years ago. Uh, so I've been there five years, and it's been a lot of fun to try to work with the club. And that's just standing outside and telling everybody what they should do, but actually being the one who's trying to do the stuff. Um, yeah. And, so, uh, Charles, tell me, there was something we were kind of before um, before we started. Um, this recording this we were just sort of chatting and it was a it was a, a part of the subject that we came up um, we started talking about was um, uh, the use the usefulness or otherwise of being a fan working for the club and and I think I related to you that there were a couple of people I've spoken to recently where they they are fans of the club they work for and they've been told uh, on a couple of occasions by others that maybe being a fan of the club isn't very useful. It can sometimes cloud your judgment. And actually their, their view of it was, no, this is a useful thing. As long as you have an, you know, an edit function, as long as you can be professionally professional about it, then it can be an incredibly useful thing. What, why? Because why, why isn't it a problem to be a fan? You know, don't you get um, carried away? Isn't it better to have someone who's dispassionate and can make tough business decisions difficult decisions about spending or, or, you know, where your marketing goes, what, why is it important to have that experience that you have someone like you and all these other people that I've spoken to have as a fan of that club? Well, um, yeah, I, I don't see it as a disadvantage at all, uh, at all. Uh, of course uh, you need to bring in, like you, you need to be professional. Uh, and that's, that's the reason you're there. 
but as a fan you also bring in like uh, an intimate knowledge of the relationship you have with your fans uh, and my experience is that so when you so when you sit in the club and you participate in meetings discussing how you should like this could be like how do you approach uh, selling tickets and season tickets what should the prices be or other activities that you do as a club uh, so having this knowledge of what what would actually create value for the fans that's like a huge advantage and 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 and, and part of a part of the knowledge that you need to have present in the room and discussing is, is this what is the culture in the fan uh, in the fan groups um, and this can be like that could, that could be like one huge culture that like, like one for like the whole fan group like and the history of the club and what they've been through but there can also be different parts of the um, of the fans that have different cultures uh, and how do you actually approach this and manage this uh, in a in a way that creates like true value um, for the fans uh, I think this is it's a huge advantage um, and I could also say like my my perspective I don't I don't know if this is because I'm a I'm a, I'm a fan um, but and of course I work in the commercial department and I work in marketing and we are and we are measured by how much revenue we make and how much uh, like uh, tickets and season tickets we sell of course we do that it's a uh, that's part of what makes the club tick but my perspective on this I don't I don't I don't see uh, I don't see us that like the like the product we sell is not tickets or season tickets or shirts. For me, this we we, we sell identity, like we sell relationships, and if we excel in doing this, the tickets and the season tickets and the shirts they will almost sell themselves. And this is not to say that you that you shouldn't do like a campaign for your new shirt or like do Facebook ads for for your games to bring awareness about it. Of course, you should do all these things. But it's really like um, it's it's just the mindset, and I, I don't th I don't know if it's because I'm I'm coming from the fan side. This is, for, for me, it's not about selling tickets for the next match. Uh, of course, you can do that and try to, but but it's about how do you create fans who like are willing to get your logo tattooed on their body, uh, or being married like in the club's colors or whatever. How how do you create that? I think that's super fascinating uh, and that's super interesting. And that I think that's also for me, the role that, that a club is playing. Uh, um, it is like being like this huge part of people's lives and identity. Um, and if you don't have that understanding, like if you have like this, you're, uh, you have this distance to what it is, uh, I don't think it's it's possible to uh, to to understand it. Uh, you need to have these voices in the room. So there's a great there's a good term actually that I got picked up from from Doncaster Rovers um, a few weeks ago when I was talking to someone there, and it's advocacy strategy. If you want to kind of boil it down to some business sort of language, professional language, if you like. Um, and all and the interesting thing is is when you look at certainly in English football, and I think it applies, it would apply in Danish football, it would apply anywhere, is if you look at it in terms of a fan being your best spokesperson, um, who's the, who are the people who are going to be your best marketers and your best spokespeople? 
um, and you know, and your best media relations um, spokespeople. It's going to be the fans, and if the fans are happy, um, and they, and I think also they feel like they they can. You know, there might be times where when they can actually provide solutions to problems, um, because you care to hear what they're saying about something, and it might be design related, it might be ticketing, it might be something like that. Then you can you end up having advocates for what for what you do, don't you? And that that bit seems to be the centre of what you're doing. And actually looking at, as I say, looking at other clubs. I mean, I think you know I'd probably even I'd probably be talking at, about the best the, the best clubs in the Premier League that 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 I could think of when it comes to fan engagement. You know, clubs like Everton and Leicester City. I I think that's how they operate. Talking to them, as I have done quite a lot. They speak a lot about that um, and about a, a lot of what they say seems to be about understanding that if if a fact it's not just understanding that if a customer's happy they're going to go off and say yeah go and shop at that supermarket because there's lots of reasons why I won't and they might be to do with price or location or whatever but if it's a football club there's just something extra special about that, that, about that isn't there tell me something about um so Bromby, the thing about Bromby as well, from my memory, was that Bromby was a, was was essentially or is essentially a suburb of of Copenhagen, isn't it? It's just it's outside of the main yeah um, area. So it it sort of, in one sense, has a real uniqueness about it. Um, yeah, Br- but Br- in Br- another Br- sense, yeah. it has the issue. It has the issue of not being in the centre, so it's not. And obviously now FC Copenhagen is around. Tell me a bit about that because that's quite a challenge, isn't it, in terms of fat fans and attracting fans and yeah. So, so the situation with Brunby is that um, we we built our our fan base during the eighties and nineties uh, when we were like by far the most successful club in Denmark. We brought professional football to Denmark. Uh, we were one of the first club in the world to be. Um, uh, what is it to, to sell shares of the club at a, at a, in, the, in the stock market um and and we had huge success uh we came to a semi-final in the european cup uh which was like unthinkable um and that created like the base for having a national fan base which we still have today uh so 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 we are still the club in denmark with the with the biggest fan base and what's, uh, what's unique about Brumby is that we have a national fan base where most of the other clubs, uh, they, they have a regional fan base. Um, and of course, it's a challenge because we, when, when, we, when we are outside of Copenhagen, so, um, and, and like our big competitor on the fan side is FC Copenhagen, they, they, they have had a huge success on the field uh, in the last decade. They've like been in the group stage of the European tournaments like every year for ten years. They went to the what is was the quarterfinal uh, this year, I, I, something like that. They played Manchester United, um, so so they're, they're performing really well. They are they're placed in the center of Copenhagen. Uh, they have just gotten a metro station right outside the stadium and and all that. So of course they have like uh, some advantages. Um, but what is what is still going for Brunby is that, so we have this huge fan base, and we also have this this fan culture of being, like the atmosphere at Brunby Stadium is like some, 
yeah, it's a, it, it can compete with the best in the Europe on the best days. It's really something special. Uh, and I've traveled a, a, a lot uh, around the world and it's not many places where you can find atmosphere that's in like this in Brunswick Stadium. Um, but, uh, but one of the things, so, so the fan base was built based on uh, success on the pitch. And, and that's like the easy part. So when you're successful, like way up, it will attract, um, it will attract fans. And that's some of the challenges we have today is in the younger population uh, who, um, who can't remember Bromby as like being one of the best, best teams. Um, so that's one of the things I find fascinating and interesting. How can you build a fan base when you don't have the uh, success on the pitch? Uh, what is it you do? Uh, how can you check? You can you can you can look out in the world, and there's a lot of clubs out there who have like a really a really big fan base, but they are not winning championships, or perhaps they are in the second best league, or 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 whatever. Um, so I think I think this is a fascinating challenge. So uh, yeah. So you, so you were talking about the. Um, um, I like I like what you were talking about that you you identifying the people who are are going to be um, that in any other customer in 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 any other business would be a customer, but in you know in this case it's more complex than that. Actually, the sort of in a sense the measure of um, of how successful you are as a football club. Um, you didn't quite say it in this way, but I think I'm probably not messing your, with your words too much if I say it this way. In a sense, the measure of how successful you are business-wise as a club is whether people are getting tattoos on their arms and getting married in club colours. So when you're trying to convert that into, um, you know, you're trying, to, you're trying to convert that loyalty into ways of getting revenue in. Because yeah. you know you have to, you have to have money. Yeah, that's the way the the world works. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do you, you know what what? How do you do that without? And I'm not asking necessarily for you to explain the technical side of it, but how easy is it to convert that 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 you know that because that's passion, that's feeling, it's it's madness in some senses. It's it's sometimes a bit we we can be a bit deluded as fans sometimes, and we tell ourselves that our club is the greatest thing in the world when it might not be in the slightest bit true. But how do you convert that into, um, you know, into, into revenue, into something tangible? Because in the end, you're going to, as you say, your department will be closed down or you'd be sacked if you didn't do the job properly. Yeah, so yeah. But... To, look, we've had 15 people have, have shown pictures of their tattoos on, uh, 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 online this week. So that's our job done. It's not, is it? What are you going to do to make that? And make it not something that people are going to object to and go, don't commodify my my. Don't commodify everything I am as a fan. You have to understand, it, you know what what yeah. is commodifiable. What you can marketize. What can you sell? Yeah, and it's Without... uh, so 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 so. This is really really tricky, and this is difficult. And this is really difficult for for all clubs because, um, I don't think you can put some of these things on a formula. Um. Uh, part of this is 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 one of my biggest responsibilities one of my biggest um, uh, priorities at the club is how do we actually get the data to figure out the relationship of the fans with the club 
so now we're moving a bit away from talking about fan engagement, but also, but, but more into like my area of digitization is, and I think a lot of club are suffering from this, that we have a lot of the siloed platforms. Uh, so we don't like get this unified view of what a fan is. We can't recognize them across uh, our different touch points. Uh, and this is key for us to be able to deliver like the experience that we want, but also to reward the right uh, fans, um, which is which is part of it. Um, we um, we had three years in a row where we went to the cup final, uh, where we could have sold like the national stadium out like two times, uh, but we only had uh, 30, 40 percent of the capacity. Um, and the way we went about it was that we, 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 we sold the tickets first to the season ticket holders and, and, and that worked. We could sell them to them. But as a club with a national fan base and a lot of fans going to the away matches, which we don't know about, we don't have any data, we can't, we can't um, uh, reward that loyalty. So that is something that we're working to try to see how can we actually bring like, like the fans who are closest to the club, who are the most engaged, who are the most loyal, how can we ensure that they also get like, like uh, the, the, the rewards and the, the products and the experience that, that, they, that they can expect from us? And that's something that we can't uh, today. And then there's another part of it. So, so we've seen it, uh, we, we did under the... Uh, during this COVID-19 crisis where we had to shut down and we couldn't play any matches and um, and everybody was sent home and we didn't know uh, what to do. We created this uh, this unique uh, jersey called the Never Alone jersey, which like is a slogan uh, the fans have created for like a like big choreography. Um, so we made this, this jersey who said Never Alone. Uh, and then the, the fans could support the club by, by doing that. And what we actually did was we created like this live real-time counter on the, the website. So when, it, when, when, when a fan bought uh, the jersey, it would count up with one and would play a song. It would play the song that the fans sing at the stadium. And somehow we've done this with the season ticket campaign before. And somehow this visualized the community around the club like this feeling of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Uh, when we started the, the, the um, planning the, the jersey, we, we thought we would sell perhaps 1,500 or perhaps, perhaps 5,000 jerseys if it would be really good. But we ended up selling 34,000 jerseys because everything, and it was not only, it, actually it was not only Brumby fans, it was like, it, it became a thing because, uh, we, we allowed people to be a part of it by, by having this counter and they could see and people were sitting on Twitter and say, okay, can we, can we, uh, can we sell a thousand uh, jerseys today? And they were retweeting and getting their fans and they were buying more jerseys to, to like build up this number. Um, and a lot of people asked me, so, okay, you, you have to figure out what, what, what happened there? What was the mechanic? Um, and of course, we, we, we know some of this, it's, it's psychology. So you're, you're part of something and that, there was a time limit. You had to buy it before this date and you, and you can't, so there was a fear of missing out. There was a lot of these marketing triggers that we know about, but then there's also a part of it that's just, 
that's just that's just that's, that's just magic. But we could because we couldn't do this if we were able to do this, we have we would have like a sold out stadium for every match. So what is this intangible thing that suddenly uh, sparks? Uh, uh, I don't really know. Well, isn't and, it, and it, it, when it comes when it comes to this, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you I'm not gonna tell you what it is by the way because you're gonna have to pay me a lot of money. Um, <laughs> I don't know the answer, um, but no, this is it. I think this is the bit you know that that bit of that bit of sort of magic dust that that is sprinkled on some campaigns, some things that work. Um, you know, and that can be change campaigns. It can be, you know, a traditional marketing campaign for something. It can be a political campaign. It can be anything. Sometimes it captures the imagination. And we all know as well, I think, where things fall flat, where people try to, I think, where people try to mimic passion in yeah. football, I'm talking about here, or in, you know, in football, which is, is where I know best. Um, and, you know, you might see it with clubs trying to rebrand, for example, um, here's a famous example of Leeds United over here doing a, doing a big uh, rebranding exercise with their badge and it fell very flat uh, and the, the change was reversed and, it, and you could see what they were trying to do um, and to some extent you could see why they were trying to do it but you know, perhaps the magic spring dust isn't um, a particular thing that you do it's just the insight that because also you're going to try these ideas and some are not going to work and some are going to work, but it's the insight that's there that makes it even possible that you understand that if you do it and it's, and it's, and it's insincere and it looks fake um, and it's the wrong time or it's, or it's targeting me. And why would you target me? I am the kind of person who doesn't do this kind of thing. I'm not interested. My dad wouldn't do it. Yeah. Why target my dad? But if you target someone who's 25 and is, and is, and is at home and wants, you know, and you've got the right kind of section. Now, what you just very quickly, I just really wanted to quickly say before you, you know, talk a bit more, cause you, you, you know, some fantastic stuff you're talking about here. You, you, you know, you said that what you're going to talk about there is fan engage isn't fan engagement. Well, activation or not, it is. And the bit that I've struggled with over the years with football is that they don't put what you do in the right place. And, too many people will see what you do as a very functional element of a business and go, yeah, well, yeah, you, you know, just sell me some season tickets. Yeah, but the thing, the difference I think that I'm finding with you and with all the people who do this properly, but with you in this case, is that um, you understand the intimate way in which this marketing has to take place. You understand that this has to be, I think, an intimate and very sincere process and that it has to be done with feeling. And if you don't do it that way, then it doesn't work. So what you are doing is very much fun engagement. And I like the fact that you're talking about data in the right place. And it's the way that Baz Schneider, the, the Dutch um, uh, fan engagement specialist talks about it. And it's data being a signpost. So what you're doing in the end is saying, we're trying to find patterns in it. And we're trying to find things that tell us something, but you know, in the end, all that data will do is point you to something and it will allow you to then create the thing that is sincere and it means something and it isn't to be quite honest isn't crap and that's the bit that's coming across here is that you understand where this all belongs yeah and, and that, that's, that's that's two things just to go back to the the, the other discussion so uh I, I don't think you can put put this on a formula i don't i think this kind of passion is intangible and it's untamable if you were able to tame it it wasn't it wouldn't be passion 
uh, there has to be something magic energy here. So, so the way I look at it is that we, we can try to facilitate it. We can try to do, uh, to, to set up the right environment for these things to happen. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's the same, that there's some matches that's, that are just magic. And then there's another match that looked like it. And then like the magic is not really there. So, um, so, so that's, like, that, that's, that's kind of the way, like this is something that re really precious. And that's also why if you try to, like you say, force it or overthink it or do something, you, 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 it won't work. Uh, it, it just won't work. Um, and, th and then another point which talk, goes down to like the, like the data and the technology and, and what we're also trying to do is like, I also hear, we get approached by a lot of people who want to sell us an app who can solve all our problems. Uh, they've built this and you can sell tickets and you can sell food and beverage and you can sell merchandise and then in no time like we would have like a so large stadium and and whatever so everything is apparently really really easy um, and the way coming from like the technical side and being a, an IT professional professionalist for, for me it's it's not about technology for me it's always about how do we create value for our fans how do we create these magic experiences? Uh, I, I always like picture myself, for, for, for me, what, what I'm going for is how can we create these magical evenings in the stadium, like where you get goosebumps and you feel like you, you, you hug a stranger. Uh, how, how do we use uh, technology to facilitate those kinds of experiences? Uh, so that's that, that that that's the way I approach it. It's never technology for technology's sake, and it's never data just being to having the data, but it is it is how do we use this to provide like the right value and the right experience uh, to people, like and having a huge respect uh, for for the fans in the way we approach them. Um, so so Charles, is that a, is that problem of people approaching you? with with an app um you know with a platform is that something that you find quite a lot of in your experience then in your time at bromby it's i think it's 10 percent of my time is saying no to people who are trying to sell us stuff um and what's uh, what's interesting about most of these um products is that they are um it's where they're coming from the mindset behind them so if you get this app, you'll be able to, to show commercial uh, advertising from your partners to the fans. Say, okay, but who of our fans uh, have this need to see my commercial uh, ads from our partners? That's not a need in the fan base at all. There's no one out there. If you ask them, what would you like from the club? Oh, if you could please sell me some stuff from this uh, third party. Not at all. Uh, of course, this is a part of our business model, but it has to be uh, done intelligently. Uh, but what, what, what could be a need is, so uh, for, for me, football is, of course, it's entertainment and all this stuff, but it's primarily a social thing. Football is something that you do with someone else. Someone else. It, could, it could be your friends or your family or uh, strangers. It's something you do with someone. Uh, so like a good example of something that we're, that we're trying to do as a club is how do we facilitate not only like the big community around the club, but how do we facilitate the small communities? 
uh, how can we take a fan who, who, who perhaps wants to go to the match but doesn't have any friends who have the same passion, how can we connect them with other fans so they can start going to football together? Uh, how do we take, take me for instance, I'm, st- I'm still a season ticket holder at the club. Uh, I still go to the, every home game as a fan. Uh, I don't have a role at match day. A lot of my colleagues, most of my colleagues, they have some role to play on match days. But I go there as a fan, which I also think that gives me like a huge insight in how, how what are the things we're actually trying to do. How are they? How are they? How are they actually? Uh, how are they actually working out? Um, oh, where was it coming from? What was it talking about? Uh, what were you talking about? It's a good question. I was so fascinated by what you were saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were talking about. Um, Oh, it was a football being a social thing. Yes. So, so how can we? So, so, so we have a group of people at the stadium that uh, I think we started out being four, uh, and then like next year we uh, there was a, a seat available next to us, so now we are five, uh, and then the the group grew, and now we are like seven or eight. Uh, and what this does for like the fan base, uh, and also this, how do we build a fan base who is resilient to ha- not having the results on the pitch? Is that if you're part of like a group of people who are, um, and you have a responsibility towards each other, um, it, it, is, it is much more stable. Like if you were two people, and one person didn't want to go to the to the to the match, you would probably stay home. But if you're seven people and one people drops off, like you're gonna go there because there's someone else. Um, so, so, so this is this is also like the mindset that I'm coming from. How do how do we actually create value for the fans? What is the experience that we want to create um, in the stadium and in the fan base? And a lot of the people who come trying to sell us stuff, they're not trying to solve our real problems. They're just trying to solve like uh, I can see where they're coming from. So how can we increase the revenue on sponsorships and how can we increase the revenue on ticket sales and all this stuff? And there's of course, if you can make things more convenient and all this. So they're coming from like, I can see where they're coming from. But for me, it's, uh, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, can you, I put it, can I put it in, yeah. in, if I can, if I maybe help here, yeah. to me, it seems like what they're doing is they're solving a fairly sort of standard business problem of you need to sell more things to people. So let's make it easier or you need to attract more customers if you make the environment that people are sitting in nicer and you don't make them wait so long for their, for, for what they've ordered um, in this case, a burger or something, you know, a drink, then they're more likely to come back. Of course, the problem is half the reason you won't come back to a football stadium can, can be because of other things. It can, and actually this point of the social element of it, it's something that is, and I'm trying to wrap my brains to the person who said it to me that, um, that football is primarily a social um, uh, event. That's what it is, first of all. And then it happens to be, yes, very pleasingly, it happens to be that it's the greatest game in the world to watch, we would all say. Um, although there are some people who watch other sports who would probably argue the opposite. But, there's, you know, that. And then finally, um, yeah, I want the stadium to be nice. Why else did people, um, you know, in England particularly why on earth did people for years and years and years and years go to unsafe literally killer 
killing people were dying in stadiums in in some cases because they were still going to football matches you know those were not to cheapen any of that it's a total misunderstanding to think that what people the business needs is is uh to be able to sell an advert to someone uh you know of a, of a, as you say as a club partner actually the idea that what you do is you make people enjoy the experience in a sort of sincere way in a real way in a in their feeling and the way they feel about it that understands what football is doesn't it and that that's what you that's so that so what's going to happen next i think trolls when people listen to this podcast is you're going to have a loads and loads of football social networks contacting you and trying to <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh, i'm uh, i'm i'm becoming a professional in saying no it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's part of my job description I think. 